0: This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by our patrons. You can support the show, like them, at patreon.com slash thetomeshow. Welcome to The Tome Book Club for August of 2023. The Tome is a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley.
1: And I'm Jack Greiner. In each Book Club episode, we discuss one d ish related book. Spoilers be damned in a full Book Club-style discussion. And our book this time around is Six of Crows by Leigh Bergudo. Did I say it right? Bardugo. I typed it wrong. That's why I said it wrong. <laughs> Bardugo.
0: And with us as always is Eric Paquette. Hello,
1: bonjour. How are you doing? doing well cool it's another day in paradise
0: next episode which we'll record towards the the mid to end of october uh we'll be writing reading Carrie by stephen king
1: doing some some horror for halloween so we'll have to
0: psionics right
1: i I don't know i've never read it (laughs) this will be a new book for me but i heard there's a lot of psychic powers I heard somebody recently describing the the plot of the book Matilda, or the movie Matilda. And I could have sworn, I'm like, wait a minute, that sounds an awful lot like Carrie. And I don't know if that was intentional by anybody or not, but it does feel like there's a, there's a parallel there. Although I've never read or watched either, so I'm not an expert on these.
0: Uh, so many things are going to make sense now for you because it's just everywhere in the cultural
1: well i mean mean, yeah no carrie is definitely in the cultural landscape enough that that i am aware (laughs) of the references having never seen or or read the the story so Um, but yeah I, i imagine i'll i'll capture more of those things now anyway uh before we get started i want to say thank you to those patrons who help us pay the bills you can help out too by going to Patreon.com/show and offering as little as a dollar a month, and that helps keep things going, so I don't have to to pay for everything out of pocket. Now onto the book. We looked at Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. Um, what is Six of Crows?
2: Generally speaking, I don't... it's Is a that... fantasy heist. It's a fantasy heist to get away and mm. uh, get a formula for, or not a formula, but the uh, person who made a certain magical drug. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, it took me a little while to figure out that it was a heist story, because um, it doesn't really start making it obvious that it's a heist story. But once I figured out it was a heist story, I was like, "Okay, now I get it. I know what the story is. I have some expectations, and I was kind. Of, it was kind of a lot easier for me to follow and figure out what was going on." Um,
0: yeah, Fred asked me earlier because I just finished the book today, and he's like, "What's the book about?" Because I, I told him I liked it, and I was like, "Well, it's a heist story," and he's like, "Well, is it fantasy? Is it Victorian? Like, where is it set?" And I was like, "I don't know. I yeah. that's a hard a- the hard thing to answer because on one hand, you have." Things that feel very fantasy and not quite medieval, but, like, that type of thing. Maybe some Victorian, where you have the different parts of the city, there's uh, carriages, there's horse-drawn carriages, and things like that. And then you have rubber shoes, and tanks, and guns, and a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other stuff that aren't really fitting into that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so... I think what happened was, and and I don't know which, what I, it was. I think I know it was one of the two of you that recommended the book or th- th- thought we should check it out. And, and I'm glad we did. I like the book. Um, but I think we ran into some weirdness because. This is a book that is in sort of this author's shared universe. And it was the first book of the second series. And so I found that the author didn't do like any world building, Um, which on one hand, like I see, I've read a lot of books that I feel like um, spend way too much time world building things about the world that aren't really relevant or important to, to my understanding of the story. Um, But in this case, there was like no world building Um, and it was confusing. I mean, yeah. Even when they're talking about, um, you know, they they were they were seeing the ships in the harbor and i'm like okay but am i picturing like masted ships or these steam ships or like what kind of, i what kind of ships are these cuz there's people running around with guns but a character who's super sneaky and comes up and stabs people with knives um so yeah i i talked to some i i was talking about the book a little bit with my gaming group actually and one of the players has so there is a a series on netflix based in part on this book and and this series and so i mentioned to him like I, i'm having a hard time figuring out what the setting is and he explained it to me based off of his watching of the series on netflix um which what, i what is it the what's Is it i think it may be named for the first book of the original series which is like shadow of shadow and bone shadow and bone Okay, I um, I didn't see the series myself, but right, I hadn't either. But he explained to me that it's more of a, like steampunky late Renaissance level of technology and 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 whatever, and that sort of fits. Like, okay, so there's tanks, but tanks aren't common. It was like a, a surprise when they saw these big giant hulking tanks. So that's a new yeah. development. That's kind of, you could see in a steampunky yeah. world. Uh, you could see rubber shoes, but you could also see some people using guns and other people using swords or not although we never saw any swords but we saw knives um, in,
2: the, in the renaissance Leonardo da vinci had plans for a tank right so so
1: if someone grabbed those plans and right tried and made it you could conceivably do so so i think that the setting is a little bit of take steampunk and mash it up with like the three musketeers and that's sort of the world a little bit
0: or, or right. At, least, the at least in the level. book, the other interesting thing is outside the tank, there's nothing that even cries like steam engine that I remember seeing that cries steam engine or internal combustion engines or engines. And so
1: at the exact time I hit the part of the book where they were walking or they were taking a boat somewhere and they mentioned the ships in the harbor. And I was wondering, are these masted ships or something else or whatever? If you if, because I was looking for it, because I was specifically like, I don't know what kind of ships these are. I caught the right. fact that they mentioned that they could hear the rumble of the engines
0: oh, in, okay. in the
1: ships. And so that's like, okay, that's where we're at. Okay. Yeah. So about Victorian style. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so it was just, it was very interesting. Like I, I just, from the parts I read, I, I obviously didn't hear about the engines part, the on my, it's, it's, but it's
1: so easy listening to an audio book to like space out or, or focus on driving for a minute or whatever and miss, miss little things here and there.
0: Well, and it's not really repeated, right? because most of right. the other stuff, like when they're traveling um and they need to sneak into the prison, it's a horse drawn cart, or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it that's bringing the prisoners into the prison, mm-hmm. so because they, they do talk about the horse and the horse helps pull the tree and stuff like that. so right. it's not everywhere either, so it's very interesting
1: which <laughs> right. match which matches the steampunk and and late Renaissance kind of setting right is that is that oh well the steam power exists but it's not ubiquitous yet you know right so yeah. so yeah wrapping my head around the setting was tricky but once I got that and once I figured out it was a heist story I was I, I was into it.
2: To me it, it, yeah from the start it felt like a heist like you had the, the setup you had the planning then the execution of the heist right situation so and i've watched a lot of leverage for oceans so, so, which are all heists right stores, so i'm familiar with the heist mentality in the yeah. story. So, well no yeah once i once we i get figured a few out a right
0: sorry oh go ahead i was just saying we get a few heists right
1: yeah
0: there's a lot of stealing there is
1: <laughs> well and some of the stealing is because, I, and I was going to say, once I realized it was a heist story, once basically Kaz got the job to to break into the, the ice fortress and and steal the person, uh, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's a heist story, got it. Then, from then on, I recognized all of the tropes of a heist story of, okay, now we have to assemble the team of ragtag people with different skill sets, and uh, some of that's going to involve high, a heist to break into the prison to, to break somebody out, and... and um, some of those kinds of things, right? Uh, then it, yeah. From then on, it felt very much, oh, oh, it's a high story. I get it. I'm there. Yep. I can follow along with the tropes. I, you know, it gives me enough familiarity that I don't feel like I'm lost in the story, but it, but not so much that it can't be sort of a novel uh, and unique story on its own.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For the wheel building aspect that you were saying that it was missing, I didn't feel it really needed that much for the story Anything that is world building
1: that they introduce, that right. they do, is what is important for this story to work. Right. No, no, I agree. I think the story makes sense without having the world building, but it le- the world building leaves, especially big, broad strokes, like, okay. I don't know if this is a fantasy setting or a modern setting like and it, and there are elements where it could kind of be either one. Right. Uh, and it could go either way. And so so just trying to picture in my head what the world looks like as they walk through it. I didn't have the familiarity and the in touchstones to, to sort of lead me through that uh, at first. Uh, okay. So I, I found that a little bit distracting. But the other thing that it does and. Um, sometimes it drives me crazy. Usually it drives me crazy and I'm sure it's intentional and authors know what they're doing when they do it. But typically, whichever character I'm introduced to first, I end up thinking about as the main character in my head, even if they're only one of an ensemble or whatever and somebody has to be introduced first, right? But that that character always ends up being the main character in my head through the entire story. The main, uh, the character introduced first in the book only shows up in that first chapter and then is never seen, seen or heard from again. And and the, the other characters that character references or interacts with or talks about or whatever also don't show up in the book at all. Uh, and so it, it messed with my expectations early on when I was already struggling with expectations because I didn't know what kind of story it was and I didn't know what the setting was. The,
2: the, the, basically, the first chapter feels like a, the opening of a show before right. you have the opening credits you show what the problem and what the situation is, and then you get opening
1: oh, and then you get into the show where you introduce your characters. Sorry. Right. yeah, and and I think some of that comes from the fact that we we started with what is a essentially book five or book four in the universe. Um I am looking at the author's page here. Uh, where where they list all of the books in the in this sh- that that shared use universe, which they call, they call the Grishaverse. Um, yeah, this is part of a duology. right? You know? So so, and they talk about in the description like that this is set in, set a few years after the original trilogy. Uh, it's in a whole new place with whole new characters and and all that. So you're not really, you don't need the previous books to understand the story. But I think. Sh- she didn't want to spend a lot of time establishing setting that she had already established over the course of three other books i'm assuming i haven't read those books so yeah. news
0: and kind of keying into on that like hard to place the setting because there's a lot of themes that go throughout the book that span past renaissance so like hmm. um you know there's this whole idea of slavers Mm-hmm. And then some of the characters end up in the city because they had been enslaved and and brought there and then sold into indenture or whatever, which mm-hmm. was, uh, in in this universe, pretty close. Like there was no way you were ever going to pay off your your debt and and right. be, become free, and there was no end date if you didn't pay off your debt. Right, slavery um,
1: slavery was illegal, but you could be an indentured yeah. servant forever. You know,
0: right. And and so that brings up a lot of things like with uh, company towns, like you mm-hmm. would never like you got your your income and stuff, but everything was owned by the company, and you probably re- were gonna keep going into debt to the company, so you could never leave,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and that type of stuff. It um, also the like pretty common in like particularly I think Victorian uh, English stories is this whole constant threat of being like for particularly young women to be kidnapped in, in cities and other places and then be brought into a life of, of prostitution or other things um you know just because that happened and, and that happens to some of the characters in the book
1: well it, uh and has, then the other so i found it i found that particularly interesting because when we decided to read this part of the the appeal was well this should be an easy read it's a, it's a young adult novel whatever i did not expect a young adult novel to have every main female character either currently be or previously worked as a prostitute you know Um, yeah
0: yeah and it's super and and on one hand like as i was kind of like wondering how i felt about that reading mm -hmm. it and then i was like but so like on one hand it's it's nice to be able to escape have fantasy where we we don't have that on the other hand like it feels like she's trying to tell stories about that or the Mm -hmm. author's trying to tell stories about that. And like, this is something that happens or happened it it, both in this world and in ours sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and and when you don't have money, that is one of the ways, although uh, one of the, the the female characters who is in that situation is able to escape it. She becomes part of this gang. Um, She very much becomes uh, the, the, the main not muscle but she's a rogue character she's but she becomes very skilled at yeah. being
1: no she doesn't at agree. what she does yeah no that that character uh, her name is an is um the reason i brought up the books to my D group because uh, one of my players is playing the rogue and and of course has pushed skills so hard that that it's not uncommon when i call for a stealth role for her to tell me that oh i i got it 27 or 29 or whatever and I'm like oh you, you know you remind me a little bit of an edge from this book uh and and it it uh the description to me that that I thought was the most telling was when Kaz who's sort of the leader of, of the the gang um or at least our crew um described why he decided to Vida to 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 buy out her indenture and denture and bring her into the gang. Uh and it was one time when he was in the 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 business, the house, whatever, uh, and yeah. and she was working and he's like, Oh, well, yeah, so you were there, but you and you snuck up on me and nobody sneaks up on me. You were wearing bright purple wearing silks. Bells. Yeah, you were wearing bright purple silks and I didn't see you, and you had bells on your ankles and I didn't hear you. And yet, you managed to sneak right. up on me, and and she and, and she mentions in in her inner monologue like I never snu- I've never snuck up on him since, and I've gotten much better at this. It's like once he figures out, you know, that, how to see you, then yeah. he'll always see you.
0: And she had a life before that. She was an ac- She she I think yeah. did acrobatics, right? Yeah. Like, with her family and stuff. So she knew, she and both her father and mother worked doing that. Sorry, Eric.
2: She was part of a circus, a traveling troupe, yeah. traveling. Yeah. Oh, it's just acrobatics type role. Well, and, and,
1: and that's part of what's interesting. To, like, all of the main characters are very young. Yes. Like, what, 16, yes. 16, 17 years old? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was reading it for a
2: while. I was thinking cast was like in, okay, in late 20s, early 30s. Right. So, like, then, like suddenly, suddenly I read 17. Like, wait, what? Right. That's completely changed my mind of all these characters.
1: Right. Well, so. so that, that I mean, that means, look at, you look at Kaz. Kaz is leading part of a of a large, influential citywide gang at 17 years old. Um, you know, Inej has been out of prostitution for several years. But then and she's
0: 16. And
1: she's 16, which means that she got out of prostitution at the age of 14. So how young yeah. was she when she got into prostitution? She actually got captured at 14. She got, so, okay. Yeah. So, but, but
0: yeah, I don't think she had been very long. But, but,
1: but a, but a 14 year old prostitute is, a, is a, is a decision uh, that an that author has made, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and then, so the other, so like there's these parts and there's even like the bells thing I, I learned recently, like some in real, in the real world, uh, some areas that that was a requirement of um what. Uh, sex workers had to wear as part of their garb Mm -hmm. to denote them as sex workers like in real life Um, and then you have that type of stuff and then you have stuff that feels very much like american slavery and Mm -hmm. and or the holocaust like the the way that the i forget what they're called
1: the the the, starts with an f it is and and i want to in my head my in my head they're kind of viking analogs
0: yeah or and and like they have a very harsh sound to their language Mm -hmm. and 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 things like that um and that's where they get the tank from and and all of this and they're trying to destroy the was it grisha the grisha that Mm -hmm. was the yeah Yeah. which they call witches or just unnatural or Mm -hmm. they are not really and they they justify it saying that they're not really humans that they're um Mm -hmm. they're basically just animals and they need to be destroyed mm-hmm. I, I was and that's where I was also unsettled like trying to figure out where where are we, like what story are we telling and where are we uh, in the world with this because it's a mishmash of a lot of different things right. from cool. different time periods and different like a lot of choices for me
1: yeah and and yet I think mashing up those things gave us a relatively unique setting a a unique world that that i don't dislike this telling the stories in and seeing it you know the idea of we're gonna tell the story that that rings uh of the the racism of american slavery and and the subjugation of the jews in the holocaust and the extermination of the jews in the holocaust and but we're gonna do it where um the the people hunting them down are kind of viking analogs but vikings with tanks Uh, Like, it's all uh, a a kind of unexpected mishmash, but there's still enough familiarity that, like, I understand. I understand how this culture kind of works until you tell me what's different, right? I have a touchstone that means I can follow along with what's happening.
0: Yeah, and and I like that it helps break down this idea that those, the American slavery and the stuff that happened in the holocaust are different completely different and and separated things because Mm -hmm. as as you look through the history uh, a lot of this stuff that americans were doing uh during slavery like the us was doing in the in slavery and and the thoughts we had at it fed into what ends up happening in the holocaust
1: right yeah Yeah, so, no. It,
0: not to bring it way down, well, but well, I, I and, found that well, very interesting. No, and I had been unsettling.
1: And I hesitated because I had uh, another thought related to that, and I was, trying, and then I lost it. So, I was, but but it's also interesting because, like the Grisha and the non-Viking Viking people that whose names we still can't figure out. Um, we don't actually know like we 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 know that the you know the witch hunting faction is is definitely a thing and the experimentation and desire to exterminate is definitely a thing but we and maybe because we haven't read the other books or it just hasn't been explored yet or whatever i don't know but we don't know where that comes from either uh you know there is a there is definite discussion about how there is a war between the Grisha and, and the non-Viking people, Fjardan. um, the what is it? The p- 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 Sure. F-J-E-R-D-E-N, F- J- <laughs> Fjardin, something like that, Fjard- um, yeah. is maybe how it was, I'm trying to remember how it was pronounced in the, in the, Not Fjord, Fjard- in Fjard- the yeah. but in any case, the, 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 there's a war there, right? and. It, it's entirely possible, and it feels to me like the war's been going on for a very long time. Uh, and I and I don't know, you know, war is horrible, and I don't know that that if we continued exploring stories in this world, that we would discover that the Grisha were necessarily innocent uh, in their treatment of of those people either. Well, but maybe they are. I don't know
0: about that too, right? well and and i think they do trade stories about it and i think it's intended to make it so that you do start wondering like still start thinking through um that there are is a lot of gray in history and war right. um i get i think the other thing though that i would point out is that matthias who is who's is from that country mm-hmm. uh and the reason that he and um another character nina ever meet is that um she has been captured by the freedom he's I don't know if he was the one that actually captured her or he, she he was on the ship with her right. as she was being brought back for trial and she kept asking you know if it's a fair trial how come none are found innocent right. of her people um and and that really like it's it's a recurring question that she has and finally at the end um near the near the near close to the end uh, he ends up talking to his um, mentor, because uh, he's been away for a long time. I know right. we haven't even talked about the plot yet, but no, uh, he's been away for a long time. They're, they're, his mentor is talking to him, and he finds out that a lot of the stuff he had been told, though, was lies, that the the reason they needed to capture the Grisha... Uh, the Grisha. The witches, Grisha is not necessarily because... Of all of the things they said, but because they were um, experimenting on them and trying, and eventually they found this drug that makes them super powered, right. and that they can then use them as uh, weapons against others, uh, mm-hmm. including the witches themselves. Right. So it 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 all gets kind of weird. Like it's unclear that, I mean, and this is a a story that takes place in the seedy underbelly of a of a city, so it's not uncommon that you would have more shades of gray than heroes and villains, right? And I I
1: don't think there's any question that the Fjardins or whatever, however we're going to pronounce the name, um, are definitely like the ones that we meet that are in charge are definitely sort of the evil aggressors in in the story and in the situation. Um, Yeah. But I don't know that it's fair to say that in our analogy of the Grisha- being like Jews in the Holocaust, um, there's definitely moments that evoke that, but I don't know that we can say that the Fjardins are are Nazis in this case, because we don't right. know we don't know the the backstory of of how we came to this. You know, if it's been hundreds of years yeah. of war, then there's a lot of othering that happens.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's what that was kind of what the interesting thing is that it's not meant to be a direct analogy to right. to it, but meant to evoke. I feel like it was meant to evoke and cause. People to think through some of those things hopefully not in the way that like makes people question the holocaust or right. how bad chattel slavery was but more in a okay. we're taking this away from feelings of guilt and other things that make it hard for us to have these conversations today can we talk through some of those themes and the connections um, and just think about it a little bit more
2: yeah uh, Wars make people do things,
1: Well, and, and, and wars that go on for generations well, well, uh, means exactly. that, that there's just a, a significant, you know, I grew up decades into the Cold War and had, you know, grew up with a very specific idea of how horrible all people who live in Soviet territory are and, and whatever, you know, I grew up playing, playing Rambo in the backyard and pretending to shoot Russians and what have you. So, uh, so it was.
2: Ideas get spread and all that, and yeah. and over time gets changed what they were are, and so mm-hmm. well, people just react to it. So, so yeah, right. it, the, the book explores a bit of that uh, among the characters and causes it to question them because I because yeah, Matthew starts questioning that too since he was hunting a Grisha, but then he likes Nina, so he's trying to, part of themes in the book is trying to reconcile that mm-hmm. uh,
1: idea. So should we talk about what the story is actually <laughs> about? Yes. Uh, it, it sort of starts off, we uh, that introduction with those characters that end up not mattering to the story um, yes. ser- served the purpose of introducing us to the fact that Grisha are going missing and they're being and, and that they're going off to some sort of experiments is what we sort of discover. Um it turns out that the grisha, so the grisha in this world so far as i can tell from what we've read are like the one group of people in the world that have access to magic. Um and it's compared to like a D&D setting, it's not high fantasy. It's relatively small. It's almost it's almost um it's almost like bending in the the Avatar, the Last Airbender sort of a world, you know. Only, not based on the four elements, right? Um, you know, there are there are people who who can heal. There are, there are Nina's a a was it a heartrender who can sort of affect the human body in negative ways. There are fabricators who can make things out of things. There are there are whatever the name is people who manipulate fire. Um, so so it's things of that nature though, and it's more of a manipulation than it is just uh, you know throwing big fireballs and, and um, what kind what have you. Um, and so we discover early on that there is a new drug out there. Um, there is a drug that that's been around for a long time. Uh, the the param um, or is it the jarda? It's one of the two. The jarda. The, the, jarda. jarda the, the, the jarda has been around for a long time, and it was basically just like a chewable caffeine thing that people use to stay stay awake at work or whatever. Um, But then there's a new drug, Jarda Parem, that's been derived from the Jarda that if you give it to Grisha is incredibly highly addictive, but also like exponentially increases their magical power, you know, for the short period of time before they burn themselves out and die. Crack
0: Uh, versus cocaine.
1: Right. Except that, You know, crack that also makes you really cool and powerful instead of just a junkie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, For like
0: the first time or maybe three.
1: Right. Um, And so... uh, Basically, a merchant... um, hires the leader of our crew, uh, Kaz Brecker, to... Sneak into the ice fortress, which is like the capital of Fyrda, um, and kidnap the creator, the inventor of Jotunheim, that they've they've captured and they have locked up there. Um, is it, is it the actual capital? Because I thought it was just a big, huge stronghold. May, maybe it's not the capital. It felt like the capital because they were having big, you know, ceremony, you know, official state ceremonies and things there. But it's possible it's not. I don't know. It seemed to be the headquarter- at least
0: the religious center right it's the,
1: it's the headquarters of where the the witch hunter faction um seemed to be based out of at least sure. um so anyway they're supposed to sneak in break into the place that's impossible to break into and kidnap a person um, that may or may not want to go and get them back alive um and he's like well that sounds impossible and you sound desperate and he manages to to talk him up to a a price of thirty million whatever their currency is, thirty million cruises or cruise? yeah cr- yeah I think it was kruga yeah, so yeah. is how they pronounce yeah. it in the book, in the audio book, um, yeah. So so that you know that's such an unfathomable amount of money that he's like, all right, well, this sounds like a suicide mission, but maybe it's worth it. Right, I can. I can get out from under all, all the debts that I owe, all these people I know. It's, it's a life-changing amount of money, even if we split it amongst a crew. But we got to put together a crew that's going to be able to do this. And I can't trust my gang to have the means of pulling this off. So he pulls a couple people from his gang. Um, uh, Inej, our, the 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 Wraith, the, She's the she's the... She is the character of them all that very clearly fits into a specific D d class right she is the rogue she's sneaky, she's climby, she's backstabs. um, she does all the roguey sort of so things um and and what's more he trusts her and then later on we, we turn out it turns out he also has feelings for her that that neither he nor she were early on aware of um. And then he also brings in. Uh, was it Jesper? Is that his name? Yeah. Who's who? Who's sort of the sharpshooter? But those are the only two people actually from their gang, um, which are the crows, which presumably is where the name comes from. Um, I thought
0: Nina was part of that gang. Was she not? Nina she was... has both the oh, rose right. tattoo right. and the. I thought she had the crow with the. Wine glass.
1: She she's affiliated with two with two organizations, I guess. Um so Nina also is is recruited although being kind of a crow but kind of not a crow, you know. Um had to have, there has to be some convincing. Um sure. Nina was the one of the is the character who's currently working at least in a house of prostitution. Um, She is not described as necessarily engaging in prostitution explicitly, but instead using her heart-rending abilities to sort of calm people and relax people and whatever, um, which could be innuendo or could be literal, um, depending on how one wants to interpret her story. Um, Then they bring in, um, um, what's his name, is it Waylon? Waylon. Waylon, yeah who who is a a noble he's actually the kid of the noble that hired them but sort of sort of on out he's been not exiled but sort of um exiled himself self-imposed exiled from the family doesn't want anything to do with dad um etc uh he's their demolitions expert despite being you know the arguably the youngest least experienced of the bunch uh but he is a proficient flautist, apparently because um, they make fun of him regularly for his flute lessons. Um, and then we have Matthias. Matthias is our Fjerdin, um witch-hunting fighter, barbarian character. Uh, who, because of Nina, has unjustly been thrown in prison. And has been there for several years. And that's actually the only reason Nina's even in town. She would have left town and gone back home a long time ago. Except she feels bad about Matthias being stuck in the prison and has been working to try to get him out well now they kaz decides they need him as part of the crew and so they that's their first heist as they sneak into the prison and break him out is that all of them that I, I hit all six That's all six okay so that's the yeah. crew
0: and then there are, and there are like some other people that travel with them but they're not part of the main crew
1: right I mean, and, and even then, like what the, the guy who runs the ship.
0: Like Steg, I think his name was. Yeah. And there was one guy that, yeah, there, there's at like least the, two other guys. Yeah,
1: there was like the captain and the, the first ship. mate. Yeah. yeah. Which which felt like a way of being like, well, it doesn't make sense for us to establish these characters as sailors. So let's find a way for the boat to get there and be okay. Right, right. <laughs> But other than that, those characters are almost non-existent in the story. And so yeah, so they they put together a, a a crazy wild plan where they purposely get themselves arrested because they figured that's the only that that's the way that they can get in, and nobody's looking, nobody's trying to stop prisoners from getting into prison. Right. The trick is that then they have to get out of the prison. Right. Uh, but once they get out of the prison, they're inside the fort.
0: Oh, there was another one at the beginning, but he doesn't stay the whole time, and that's the guy that swaps places with Matthias.
1: That sounds familiar. What was his name?
0: I want to say it's like Jarland, but I could be completely just mm. making that up out of nowhere. I don't know. But yeah, it's not not overly important. You can tell it's not overly important because we don't really remember it. It was just so no i just know nina had a fight with it about it i think it was oh. nina
1: hmm. nina is very conflicted over the whole Matthias situation because they have a history she's the one that accused him of being a, a a slaver that got him thrown in prison um it's kind of revealed later on though that they had they had a thing despite being they're they're kind of a romeo and juliet character being from two warring warring sides of a conflict and um uh, but yet they've fallen in love with each other um through early on through survival but then she had him thrown in prison uh declaring him as a slaver it's later revealed Uh, to save
0: his life
1: yeah it's later revealed that she did it to to save his life um because otherwise he would have been executed
0: and i think that uh, also in case it's super confusing why it's hard for us to talk about the book it's because it's none of this i mean it's very common for none of this to happen in a very linear fashion but this book in particular does not happen in a linear fashion a lot because of yeah. so much of the backstory gets revealed over time, right. so well, by the end of the book, you, you probably don't need to have had any information about the you don't need to have as much information about the setting and stuff. um, but it probably would have been easier to have a little bit of set upfront setting info because the book goes back and forth in time so much and right. between these different even these different perspectives culturally
1: right. We're-
2: well i believe we have chapters for every single member of the the six grows well other than
1: other than the first chapter which is from the perspective of the one character who otherwise doesn't show up at all like there's a reference to him there's a there's a spot where where they walk into a room and he's like they're frozen um with with kaz but other than that, every chapter is from a different of the main, of the six characters' perspectives, and that and that's how the chapters are named. Like this chapter yeah. is Kaz, and it's chapter's perspective, or Kaz's perspective. And there's actually one point during the heist where they do the the fun, interesting, you know, Ocean's Eleven or or Leverage sort of thing, where we're going to tell the story of what happens during this five minute period in you know five different locations from five different characters.
2: The group that the group are doing all their things and everything's and mm-hmm. you're just seeing that description as mm-hmm. it goes yeah. because there are pretty much emotions
1: but but it is interesting that there's very much a tendency for everybody to pair up right matthias and nina are a love interest and that drives a lot of what they do um kaz discovers through this, the course of the story that he's actually in love with an um and so that becomes a thing, and then Jasper, who spends the early days of the book making fun of Way- Waylon and his his lack of experience and his hoity-toity sort of upbringing, or whatever. Um, by the end, it's very clearly that that the two of them have feelings for each other as well. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to see as as everybody sort of pairs off and and falls in love conveniently. Everybody finds their love within this, this group of six. Nice three couples. Right. The but they, they, they get into the... They, they break into the... Or they get themselves arrested, and then they manage to sneak out of the prison because it turns out... like Kaz, Kaz has this tendency to, while be the being the leader of the group, has this tendency to be like, Hey, so don't worry about it. I've got a plan. And then not tell anybody what the plan is. And then yeah. sometimes not follow what he said what the plan was. <laughs> because um, he, he he implied to them uh very clearly like oh it'll be fine i i, I know magic he's like he taught himself close-up magic right he, he's uh he's a close-up magician uh, and he's like so i can totally hide some lock picks and then get us out of the prison no problem uh and then they get in there and discover oh no they found his lockpicks it was a whole ordeal uh, and he's like, "Yeah, that was kind of part of my plan. Uh, I wanted them to think they 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 caught me, uh, so that then I could actually get a hand on hand on the lockpicks. And that's when we found out that Jesper, the the sharpshooter, is also a Grisha who's been hiding that he has fabricator powers the whole time. And he pulls the metal out of the bars of the prison uh, enough to form and make lockpicks. Uh, so they get out of the prison." They, they, shenanigans uh, occur, of course, there's a big national you know, state ceremony going on uh, in, or, or it's a holiday, um, and so there's a big state ceremony going on in the fortress at the time that they're there, so that provides a very leverage-like opportunity to, to sneak in and steal the thing during the big museum party um, sort of story. Uh, they discover the experimentation of the Grisha, not the execution of the Grisha. Uh, And they also discover that the person that they've been sent in to recover has been dead for some time, but his son is still there and his son has figured out a lot of what his dad was doing and helped his dad with the work. And so they take him. Um, All kinds of craziness ensues. They destroy a sacred tree. Um, They crash a tank through a fortress wall and then get chased by a squad of tanks. Um, and then they get away right oh but they well, yeah go ahead
0: I was gonna say a very important part of them getting away is Nina uh, has to take the drug mm-hmm. which is known about 50% of the time to make you incredibly addicted the first time you do it and if you ever take it a second time it's going like there's nobody escapes addiction from that and once right. you're addicted it's just a slow decline from there
1: right it's a, it's an incredibly powerful sotakin like like you it it, yeah. it is it is killing you and it is killing you relatively quickly i felt like it was weeks or, or months at most um
0: yeah but... you get about an hour of extreme power and then yes. um you're going to want to keep doing it but the the problem is is that you're never as powerful as the very first time you take it
1: right uh and the, so you're the...
0: constantly chasing that that high and their <laughs> but...
1: enemies have these powerful Grisha on this drug with them. But Nina takes it and manages to, because the of course the, the witch hunter squadron comes after them. Um and they're all prepared for them, right? And they've got all their their anti-magic helmets on and everything. And and um she's like, you know, well, you know, you're you're right, that sucks. I can't use my power to like manipulate you and, and to stop you. Um, cause that's what she had done before. Uh, you know, this, this heart render thing where I can affect human biology was used at one point point. there was a squadron down at the docks as they were trying to escape and she's on the drug now. And she's like, all right, everybody go to sleep. And then they do. Right. Uh, and then the, then the, the witch hunter group shows up and is gonna, is gonna destroy them. And, and she's, and they're like, aha, well, we're trained for you or ready for you. You can't stop us. We've got our special helmets on to protect us from your power. And she's like, yeah, but there's a whole sleeping squadron laying around at your feet. And so she manipulates an entire squad of, of guards like puppets um, to fight against the witch hunters uh, and, and and they escape. Um, and we've skipped over a lot of, of, well, I've skipped over a lot of details and specifics, but I think that's more or less uh, the gist. Then they go to pick up their money and it turns out they're betrayed. Uh, and that's where why it's, the, the book sort of ends on a cliffhanger. Did I did I summarize okay? Yeah,
0: I and, I and I guess maybe one thing to to talk about is the betrayal is kind of an interesting one because uh it mirrors something that happened to Kaz when he was much younger and ended up on the path he's at. So, um, Kaz's backstory is that uh he and he had a brother Jordy and they grew up on a farm. Their father uh died one day. And they decided to leave the farm. They sold it. They had a bunch of money. They went to uh the the city. And um they're doing okay for a while, but they end up uh Jordy wants to become a runner for uh I think one of the merchant houses. Uh like any of them. Uh and he's just having a really hard time and they end up getting swindled. Right. Uh the the like there's some some things we did miss with that. Um, but one of the the crime bosses basically set up a whole thing, made him look like he was a mercher, made himself look like he was a mercher, and eventually got them to sign over all of the money to him uh, that they had had from the father's estate. Which, um, and then at this uh, very shortly after, I forget what, it's fire pox or something? It's mm-hmm. a disease, disease that spreads through the city. Uh, both of them end up with it, but his brother Jordy dies, and it's really horrific and, and tragic, that whole story, Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and really causes deep trauma within Cass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the thing is, is when he agreed to do this heist, mm-hmm. his understanding was that ta- the, the council was behind it, not just this one guy. Right, And it was just this, this one merger was the the face for it, basically, or the emissary for for, um, striking the deal, and it turns out there is no council involvement, it's just this one merger with all of his prestige and power against uh, a borrow rat, or right. basically this, this, this so there, version, there's this no version. way he, he yeah a huge power differential in this city
1: and yet, Kaz is the kind of character like since that happened to him and his brother he sort of made it his life's goal to to tear that guy down who it turned out was using a pseudonym and was actually um um was it pecker rollins the the one of the other gang leaders um right and so he made it his his goal to tear him down and it was and and i was never given the impression that like there was a question as to whether or not kaz could do it eventually kaz was going to tear this guy down and destroy this, this what
0: well, and and that's the interesting thing too about some of the choices in the book because uh, he has his opportunity to get full revenge if he wanted to right in the prison because pecker Rollins is in the 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 stronghold prison mm-hmm. uh where they are getting the 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 kid out when they find out that the, the father's dead mm-hmm. um and he has an opportunity to just kill him and he doesn't
1: yeah which um, which plays in it, heavily it, it, to the to the sort of epilogue to the story.
0: Right. So uh, that that guy now owes him a favor, and they're they're gonna try to take out the the merger. Like not take him out, but it, it's a little unclear exactly what's gonna happen. Um, well, well, and it's, in the next part.
1: And it was like Kaz was not like he made it very clear early on when he talked about his relationship with Pecker Rollins and that he was going to to get his revenge on him. But to my mind, that revenge isn't I'm going to kill Pekker Rollins. It was I am going to slowly dismantle Pecker Rollins and destroy him and ruin his life and then when he's begging for it, kill him. And so it wasn't it Wait. wasn't time to kill Pekker Rollins yet. He hadn't destroyed his life yet. So
2: this is not a destruction. This is a revenge plant. Yeah. That Taz
1: has.
0: Yeah. And the big thing is Inez was captured, and that's why we now have to have a whole other thing that we need to to do is to get Inez back.
1: And Inez has been captured, and and what's more, it is fully bloomed now and and occurred on it to everybody that uh, uh, Kaz loves Inez. And so it's not just my loyal compatriot has been taken and a member of our crew has been taken. It is the woman I love has been kidnapped. It's also worth yeah. noting uh, we you've used the term um, and it comes up a lot in the book as well merger, um, which is one of those situations where I feel like a an author has created a new term to refer to an already existing concept. I because um, it's basically just a, a wealthy <laughs> was, noble family.
0: Yeah, and it was funny because Fred because Fred doesn't like that in a lot of books.
1: I mean, I am not real and, to- and I'm not
0: necessarily. I'm not necessarily always a huge fan. In this one, it, it made sense to me because of this like weirdness with how the world is like spans five, 600 years picking and choosing Mm. items to create the, I don't know if it makes sense. It
1: it worked for me in as much as I could picture some, uh, uh, a steampunk character with a cockney accent using that to just mean a, a wealthy merchant. Yeah. you know
0: yeah well and for me it's like a, a merchant robber baron right. <laughs> type thing yeah
1: so yeah so all in all i think um the story took me a while to get into um because i wasn't sure how the setting was playing out and i didn't realize in the first i don't know 3 chapters or so that we were getting into a high story but once I figured out it was a high story, and once I talked to some people who were familiar with the with this world, uh, and realized sort of what the setting was, um, I kind of really enjoyed it a lot. Of, like I like a high story, and I like fantasy, and it's not—it's kind of fantasy in that there's magic, but it's not high magic, and there's not a lot of magic. And it's also kind of not fantasy; it's more steampunky, um, sure. but not a lot of steampunky. But you know, it's swords and tanks and guns, <laughs> so.
2: It's not flashy magic like D would do it, but I, I well, could... ex-
1: ex- except for when it is. Like yes. those people who have magic, it's pretty flashy. Yeah. Like like Nina being able to reach out and stop somebody's heart is pretty D and D ish style magic, but there's very little of it in the world.
2: I could probably see this story be run in single. Sure. I could see adapting this to Sigil. Sigil, yes? Yeah. Sigil with just the, the, the atmosphere. Uh-huh. I could see that done for Sigil.
1: Well, and, um, and it occurred to me, like there were several times that, that like it feels like if I wanted to do a and d heist story, I could do worse than emulating this story. Uh, and, and there's a lot of characters where I, like there are moments where I'm like, well, like an is clearly a rope. That, that part's easy, done. Kaz, also
2: rogue. Kaz would be also a rogue with the mastermind.
1: Or uh, or I I I went rogue with Kaz, or sometimes I went bard without the whole performance thing. Although maybe his magic is his performance. I don't know. An
0: Edgar Bard Bard?
1: You're
2: right. And that, can, I'm pl- in D D right now I'm playing the rogue mastermind and you yeah, have it putting
1: really really stuff. So I and I see Kaz I, yeah, I could see that as well. Um nina is obviously some sort of magic user although arguably cleric but she took the i'm gonna cast caused light wounds path instead of the cure light wounds path but there's two different ways she could have gone um although without the religious aspect right it's just the way the magic works and and sort of thing um is either fighter or paladin May i guess i could see paladin He's really religious, so uh-huh.
2: that's why I could him Paladin or Fighter. I'm, right?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I I could see Barbarian, although he's not ex, explicitly like raging and stuff uh, on yeah. a regular basis. Um, I guess Wayland Ranger. Whalen could be a, a, a an Artificer, although a low level one. And then I think Jasper is a a, a Ranger. Yeah, but he's using lock pistols and rifles instead of bows so so i think you could i mean there were many times that that i you know it was clear to me what who what class an is and the others were you know whatever it's kind of sort of this kind of not and and, and slowly in my head uh the beginnings of a kernel of you could almost make a D derivative game that's not really D, but kind of built on the on that skeleton th- that was very clearly this world the, you know the grisha verse well, it also
2: reading it it also evoked to me for role playing game blades in the dark which is oh, yeah very much blades in the dark is very much your playing a gang heist and trying to grow up the criminal underworld mm-hmm. of this and has the 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 steampunk aspect, it has yeah, the magic and
1: all that. So, I can see. I, I have, I have read, but not played Blades in the Dark. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. That was a lot, uh, and and a quick recap because we talked for like thirty minutes before we even recap the story. So, uh, anything yeah. I missed that's worth talking about?
2: For,
1: uh,
2: for The scientist and the sun who Reading it, it felt a lot like they may be Asian inspired.
1: I I kind of had that image in my head that they were East Asian yeah. inspired. Um, yeah. and Inej is South Asian, um, and and the descriptions kind of back that up. And then I when I started talking about the Netflix series with my the guy from my gaming group, I, I looked up the the pictures of the character and she's played by a South Asian actress, um, which fits. You know, they talk about the, the, the caramel-colored skin and, and that kind of stuff, so.
0: Yeah, and, and also, I, I think I picked up in some areas where how they pronounce words would kind of reflect to some... Not, not in a... um, Sorry, I'm trying to think of the right word. Just slight changes, but not in a, like heavy-handed racist way if that makes sure. sense
1: no it didn't it didn't feel like like any sort of inappropriate appropriation or anything was going on um yeah but, like... but there was definitely there there were just just like so much of the book that was there were enough touchstones of things that felt familiar until you told me what the things were that were different um but there were also but things were also significantly different it's not like they were it's not like Inej was portraying South Asian culture and, and and what have you, right? Inej was from a group of people that have their own culture, but it wasn't a stereotype of of you know uh, Indian people or whatever. So.
0: Right. And just like the when we were talking about Fjordan, it wasn't like they definitely sounded very incredibly Norse or Viking right. or anything like that. But there was enough of the like the way the sounds were that mm-hmm. it evoked it a the,
1: little the, bit the, to me the, F, me. the FJ that the, a lot of them were blonde. That there was a wolf thing, and it was a cold climate, and they're kind of a warrior people. Uh, you know, people that
2: Norwegian or Scandinavian, and that's... right? Kind of kind of it's
1: evoked like... a Norseishness. Yeah, but but yeah. I don't think it's a, it's necessarily a, anything was necessarily a one to one analogy. You know, the 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 exploitation and experimentation on the Grisha had rings of of the Holocaust, but it wasn't a Holocaust analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I enjoyed um, it. And go ahead.
0: I, I guess the one thing I talk about with the book is uh, I found it interesting the um, repeating of motifs and then the telegraphing or
1: basically mm. saying
0: it's going to go this direction, but you can't see how it's going to go that direction sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, we didn't really talk about her and I'm forgetting her blanking on her name right now, but the owner of the menagerie saying that you'll wear my silks again. Yeah. And then it turns out the big part of it is that they do have to, um, edge has to put Disguise the, herself the silks by back on. on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that type of stuff. But I, I found those interesting and I, yeah. I think gave a little complexity to this or something to look out for, as you're reading, if you needed a little more complexity.
1: Well, and it kind of felt like that's the kind of stuff that they do in a heist movie or in the episode of *Leverage*, is they tell yeah. you this is the this thing is going to happen, and you're like, okay, whatever, that's an empty threat, no big deal. But then the thing happens, but it doesn't happen in the way that they said it was going to happen, right? And so, right, um, there are yeah, no, totally, like but...
0: that. yeah uh and 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 even just the stuff like the repeating motif about how uh how to get double crossed and stuff like that or crossed Mm
1: -hmm. yep yeah no and i think we enjoyed the book enough that that we may come back and read the second book i think it was on the list of potential books to to read next is go on to the second book and finish this this duology uh except that um our next book is going to happen to be uh in october and we decided to go a little halloweeny spooky this time so so we're reading carrie instead yeah but maybe we'll come back to book two of this at some point yeah definitely so i'm i am tempted to go back and and read the the original trilogy too and then watch the netflix series because at least my buddy in my gaming group said it's pretty good so all right should we wrap it up then we're going to call that the end of the episode. Uh, it is time to say goodbye, but I want to say thank you to all of our patrons at Patreon.com/slash/TomeShow. A special thank you goes out to Doug Palmer, Hyperlexic, Leonard Pelche, and Michael Harrison. Without your awesome, or without our awesome patrons, I would be paying to keep the podcast going out of my own pocket, which I would totally do if that's what it came to. No big deal. Uh, but it is incredibly nice to know that we have people who want to toss in as little as, in some cases, a dollar a month. Uh, or in the case of the people I just named, five dollars a month to, to pay the bills and keep things going uh, and make the show, help the show be successful. Um, that said, interestingly, uh, our total number of patrons is smaller this year than it was last year. Uh, and so if you wanted to get out there and help turn that trend around and uh, and give us a growing um group of patrons now is the perfect time to do so if you are both able and feel inclined to do so
0: and if you'd like to contact us outside of patreon um, you can email us uh, thetomeshow at gmail.com you can find me on twitter and now bluesky at sarahdarkmagic and Darkmagic.com. find jeff on twitter at squatch s-q-u-a-c-h I'm also on Blue Sky. Sky.
1: i almost certainly the same thing. That's what Uh, I am on on Blue Sky and Mastodon and probably threads. I don't know.
0: All the things. All the things. And Eric, where can folks find you?
1: You can find me
2: on Twitter, Blue Sky, and on Dice.camp on Mastodon uh, as Eric M. Pack. E-R-I-C-M-P-A-Q. I also have a website uh, ericimpact.wordpress.com. I write blog sometimes.
1: I'm and... so nice. The show is on Twitter at the Tome Show.
0: The show is only and on you Twitter can find at this us... point. Well, the t-
1: the show is on Twitter and 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 Facebook, I suppose.
0: <laughs> and you can find us on Facebook, as Jeff just mentioned. It's Patreon, and I hear we have a Patreon and Discord. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and the Discord. You can the, watch us li- Honestly, if you want to have a chat with the the Tome Show folks, the Discord is the place to do it. It's a it's a yeah. it's a fun little community there.
0: And most of the time, you can watch us live as we record the episode at Twitch.tv/tome show. Show notes and other great shows at thetomeshow.com. All
1: right, that has been our thoughts on Six of Crows. Next month, we're going to be reading Carrie. Don't get scared. It's going to be okay. Until then, keep turning the page, Tomites.
0: I'm on the wall.